afternoon. We'll look at John chapter 4, verses 43 to 54. What do you guys think? Um, we sing these Christmas songs and songs. Do you guys like it? So um, try to do that, and then um, and then we're actually gonna have a Christmas Eve uh, gathering over Zoom, um, and then we'll sing some more songs and do the best we can to remember Christ. Um, uh, so this time of year, it's uh, you know a lot of things are going on. Um, it's obviously. Christmas is approaching, so we want to think about that. The end of the calendar year is approaching, so we want to think about that as well, just reflective of our lives. Uh, end of the semester is approaching, so uh, definitely that's relevant for the students, and, and thinking about that. So a lot going on. Um, the, we want to think about that through this text. Uh, we'll do one more study of John in this semester, and then we'll come winter break, and then we'll probably pick this up again later next semester. So um, John chapter 4, verses 34 through uh, 35, story of the official's son. Uh, the healing, the healing of the official's son. John 4, 34, 35. After the, after the two days, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet had, has no honor in his home, own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Canaan, Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet, light to our path in the darkness that surrounds us, the darkness within us. Your word guides us. We pray that you would plant your word in our hearts, help us to understand it, and live according to it, that we might draw closer to you, and that we might be used by you in this world. 
to serve your purpose for us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so this passage, um, I guess, uh, to kind of present the big picture, this passage basically asks us the question, uh, what does it take for us to believe? What does it take for us to believe? And that's something that we can ask ourselves. What does it take for me to believe that he is God, that this is God's word, that, that he, is, he is real and his word is real? What does it take for me to believe? I've heard people over the course of my life, I've heard people say on several occasions things like, if God strikes that tree with the lightning right now, then I'll believe him. Like if God does that right now, <laughs> strikes that tree down with the lightning right now, then I'll just give my life to him. I'll surrender my life to him. And that's how we sometimes think. That God has to first do something for me. Like something evident, something big. He has to prove himself in some ways. And then I'll give my life to him. Truly then I'll like surrender everything to him. But of course, who he is, right? Who Jesus is, who God is, does not change regardless of what I think of him, right? He's either God or he's not. And that doesn't matter what I think of him. And if he is God, then we must believe him. So what will it take? What does it take for me to believe in Jesus? That's something that we can... Keep in our minds as we go through this text. Okay, so first, basically the two points in this uh, sermon. First, unless you see. Unless you see. The passage begins saying that two days, after two days he departed for Galilee. And then in verse 44 it says, Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So John starts off this account with this saying, right? prophet has no honor in his hometown. And what that means is, like everywhere else, uh, people might see that person as a great prophet. Everywhere he goes, he's honored as a great prophet, except in his own hometown. In his hometown, he's the uh, son of so-and-so, right? The kid that grew up in that part of the town. They have a preconceived image of that person, so they don't honor him as a prophet. And that was the case with Jesus. The people in his hometown saw him as someone who just grew up there. Right? They've known him their, uh, their whole lives. So they didn't believe that he's God. Now that idea, prophet is not, not honored in his hometown, that idea sets up this story because faith has to do with how you see Jesus. In his hometown, people didn't see him as God. That's why they didn't really believe him. Faith for us really has to do with how I see Jesus in my life. Jesus left Samaria, which was not his hometown, and then he came to Galilee, his homeland. And that's the setting for this story. 45, when he came to Galilee, a Galilean, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. So remember, Jesus went to Jerusalem. 
for the Passover. He traveled through Samaria, and now he's returned to Galilee. And when he was in Jerusalem, we saw this in John chapter 2, verse 23. Now he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So obviously he performed miracles there. People saw that, and because of that, uh, seeing those manifestations, they, 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 it says they believed him. But then right after that verse, it says, but Jesus, in his, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. Okay, so the people believed in Jesus when they saw his miracles, but Jesus didn't believe in them because their faith was a superficial faith based on seeing miracles. And that's exactly why the Galileans welcome him now. Not because they believe he's the Messiah, but because of the wondrous things that they saw him do. Verse 46, so he came again to Canaan, Galilee, where he had made the water wine. In a Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him, asked him to come down, heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, Jesus had already performed a miracle at Cana, and Capernaum was near Cana, so it's very likely that this official saw or heard of the things that Jesus had done. His son is dying at the point of death. That probably means that he's exhausted all other possibilities. He's desperate. This official needs a miracle for his son. So he comes to Jesus, the miracle worker. Verse 48, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Jesus knew where this man was. Jesus knew that this man didn't come to him because he thought Jesus is God. The way that this man sees Jesus really is no different than how he would have seen a witch doctor, right? Some witch doctor with some supernatural powers. It's that kind of attitude that he comes to Jesus with. I just need you to heal my son. So Jesus gives a rebuke. But in this verse, when Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe, the you there is plural, which means that this official's faith was reflective of the people of Galilee. Faith has to do with how you see Jesus. The Galileans had a superficial view of Jesus. It's kind of like this, I think. If you ask most kids, right, why do you love your parents? What do you think they'll say? Why do you love your parents? If this is like, if this is one of those services where we have like, we're having a service over Zoom, we can have like a, a audience participation. People can like type in the chat. I mean, think about it. If you ask a kid, why do you love your parents? What do you think people, the, the kids will say? My guess is things like, because they're nice to me. Like, you know, young kids. Because they're nice to me. Because they love me. Because they give me food. Because they provide for me. Those are some of the things that I've heard from my kids. But if you ask the parents, why do you love your child? What do you think they'll say? 
because he eats my food? Because he, no, because, he, because he's my son, because she's my daughter. You see, the difference there is huge. The kids are saying, I love them because of what they do for me. The parents are saying, I love them because of who they are. We often, like these Galileans, see Jesus as someone who's powerful, who can benefit me. He has to do some things for me. He has to prove his love to me. Then I'll believe him. Then I'll love him. But we have to believe in him, regardless of how he works or doesn't work in our lives, because of who he is. And who he is, again, does not change depending on what we think of him. Who he is is God. And if Jesus is God, we must believe in him. This official's superficial, miracle-based faith is also shown even in how, in how he presents his request to Jesus. Right? He comes to Jesus, he, he asks, he says, Come down and heal my son before he dies. Think about that. Come down and heal my son before he dies. So this man is saying, you have to come down and heal. You have to do it this way for it to work. You can heal, but only in this way. Come down and heal my son. Again, that shows his limited faith. Because again, if Jesus is truly God, he does not have to come down to heal. How Jesus can heal is beyond his imagination, and he didn't realize that. We're often like that with God, too, with our, with our limited view of God, with our miracle-based, sight-based faith. God, these things have to happen for this to work out in my life. These things have to happen first. These things have to happen now. God, why aren't you coming down to heal my son? God, unless I see, I won't believe. But you see, how God can work in our lives is beyond our understanding. And that's what John is showing us through this passage. That if Jesus is God, regardless of this or that, regardless of what we think of him, regardless of what's happening or not happening, if Jesus is God, we must believe him. We must trust him. So first, unless you see. Secondly, go, your son will live. Official said to him, Sir, come down before my son dies. Verse 50, Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. So Jesus gives him the healing that he came for, but just not the way that he expected it, right? Man asks for Jesus to come down. Jesus doesn't go with him. Instead, Jesus gives him his word. Go, your son will live. Because again, what should matter to us is not what Jesus can do, but who Jesus is. And if Jesus is God, and he says, your son will live, then your son will live. Jesus is teaching him 
that real faith should not be based on an event, on an event, but on the person, on the person of Jesus Christ. If Jesus is God, believe him, real faith is based on a person. Signs and wonders may stir curiosity, but his word changes lives because it's God's word. A few months ago, I think it was a few months, right? The world was captivated by a monolith, right? That thing that mysteriously appeared in Utah and then mysteriously disappeared. Although I guess the mysterious disappearance was captured on video. So it drew worldwide attention because, why? Because it, it was so mysterious, right? People are saying, is this like a top secret government project? Or could it be evidence of aliens? Because it was something that we couldn't easily explain. That's why that event stirred our curiosity. And that's exactly what signs and miracles do. They stir wonder, right? Makes us curious. But the the speculations about the monolith does nothing to change our hearts. And that's the difference between signs and the Word of God. Seeing a miracle is impressive. It will certainly draw a crowd, and that's why those, those, those healing ministries have so many people that participate in it. While hearing the Word is, is just ordinary. It's just steady, right? It doesn't necessarily draw a crowd. It's just, it's just steady ministry. But it's the word of God that will ultimately transform lives. And that's Jesus' intent here. Instead of testing him with miracles, he's saying trust him at his word. Um, what's interesting is that what happens here in this account is the very opposite of what happened in... Um, in a different account in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 8, we have an account of a centurion, a Roman soldier, who came to Jesus asking for healing for his servant. And in that situation, Jesus was actually going to go with him. But the centurion says to Jesus, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. And then he says, only say the word and my servant will be healed. And in response to that, Matthew 8, 10, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Jesus commends him for his faith because the faith of the centurion was based on who Jesus is. The centurion understood the power of his word if Jesus truly is God. So, so for the centurion, it was not unless I see, I won't believe. It was rather, I don't see, but I believe because you are God. And it's that person-based person -based faith that Jesus is teaching the official here. When he says, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke him spoke to him and went on his way. So, so think about it. To, to leave the presence of Jesus right there without seeing his son healed 
requires some level of trust in his word, right? But going away from Jesus in that moment was the proper response of faith because Jesus said, go. That's what he said, go, your son will live. So the proper response of faith in that moment was to go. Only by going away in that moment in obedience can his faith truly grow and become real. That's how it is many times in our lives. When God doesn't give us what we want in the way that we want it, but still he gives us his word. He gives us his word and says, go and do as I say, and you will be blessed. Whatever that blessing may mean, go, do what I say, obey my word. In those moments when I'm not getting what I want, things are not working out the way that I want it to work out, he assures us with his word, go and do as I say, and you will be blessed. That was the case with Abram when he left his home to the unknown place where God called him. Go and do as I say. That was the case with Ruth when she turned away from her home and followed Naomi. It was a following in obedience and faith in the God of Israel. And that was the case with Jesus as he prayed in agony in the garden. That's the case. That's how it works with every one of God's servants who took part in God's redemptive story. Go and do as I say you will be blessed. The proper faith-developing path in those moments when we don't have what we want is to obey, even though I don't see. As he was going down, his servant met him, told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour, the exact hour when he began to get better. He said to him, yesterday, seventh hour, the fever left him, about 1 p.m. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. The boy was healed at the exact time, exact hour that Jesus spoke his word. So the power was in his word. Not, not in the miracle. The power was in his word. The healing happened because of who Jesus is. The healing happened because of the person of Jesus Christ. And if you want to draw this out even further, the hour, as we talked about in the Gospel of John, points forward to the hour of his death and resurrection. And it's because of what he accomplished there that makes healings like this possible. This passage is saying that we need to believe in Jesus, trust his word, the one who gave himself for us on the cross because he is God. Um, back about five years ago, someone gave us, and I, I actually I don't even remember who, maybe Christina knows, someone gave us a, a, a fire TV stick. 
about five, six years ago when it just came out. Back then, I had no idea what it was for. And uh, we didn't have Netflix back then or any other streaming service. So I just put it away in a box and forgot about it. Now, recently, uh, we were thinking, oh, you know, it'd be nice to have a smart TV. Sometimes, like, when I want to hook up Netflix to our TV, I, you know, take my computer there, use the HDMI cable. If you want to pause, you got to go over there and press pause. It'd be nice to have a smart TV. Because now we have Netflix, thanks to T-Mobile. We also have the Disney Plus package with Hulu and ESPN for $12.99 a month. So I did some research and uh, decided the Roku stick was the way to go. I had no idea what Roku was. Did research, found out. Oh, what's a Roku TV? What's a Fire TV? Did research in the year 2020, almost 2021. Finally learned what Roku stick is. So I bought one from Best Buy, $24.99. But then like, even after I bought it, I hooked it up. Oh, this is amazing. It works great. In the back of my mind, thinking, oh, but like I have a, I know we have a fire TV stick here somewhere in the house. So I looked all over the garage, has to be here somewhere, couldn't find it. I finally found it in this box right next to my bed. It's been sitting there for five years. So I was going to return the Roku stick because the fire stick worked. Hooked it up, tried it out, it worked. But it was really slow. Okay. Turns out, technology moved forward the past five years. I was thinking about that, and I think there are many times um, it's relevant uh, for our lives, very similar to our lives. Like There are many times uh, when you might read the Word of God, right? Like you might have a quiet time on a passage or a verse. You might read the Word of God, and you wonder, like, what does this have to do with me? I can't think of a way that this applies to me. And so because you feel like that, the temptation is to just like stuff the Bible in a box and like put it away. But we need to keep seeking God through his word because for sure there will come a time when the knowledge of that verse the knowledge of God that comes to us through that verse, there will come a time when that will be truly relevant in our lives. And how we know God, how we know God through His Word, how we've accumulated knowledge of God through His Word will help us overcome difficulties and trials that we face in our lives. And the difference between the Word of God and the fire TV stick, we can be assured that the Word of God will never need to be updated. The Word of God may sit, sit there dormant in our hearts, but it will bear fruit when the time is right. We need to keep after the knowledge of God growing in the knowledge of God, the Word of God, through His Word. Because it will bear fruit in our lives. We started with the question, what does it take for us to believe? What will it take for me to truly believe God? 
And the thing is, if we see him, if you see him right now, like you saw him in Sunday school, right? You learned in Sunday school, God is so big, so strong and so mighty, right? If you see God as someone who is powerful, who, who can do things for me when I need him, then really, like, we won't trust him. We won't truly trust him with that miracle-based, with that hometown faith. So is that the kind of faith that I have, like a child? Does God have to, to do something for me, for me to love him and to believe in him? What will it take for us to believe in God? Can we trust that he is good, even when things are not good, even when I don't have what I want. And I think that's the, the message of this passage that John is giving us. Do I truly believe that he is the creator God? The one who created the universe, the king of the universe. Do I truly believe that? And if he is that, then I must believe him and obey him in his word with all my heart. Let's pray together. We cannot separate real, saving faith from the Word of God. You just can't. Uh, right? Like Just like this official, like he, he saw some things, maybe miracles, he heard some things. So based on that, he goes to Jesus. And, and I tell you right now, like that's the faith of many people in Christendom today. Right? Like we heard something in Sunday school when we were kids. Like we have this perception, like hometown faith, right? Preconceived notion of who Jesus is. Miracle worker, does things for me here and there. Good things happen, oh praise God. God is so faithful. Uh, that's the kind of faith you come up with when you're, when you're away from God's word. And that's why you cannot separate real faith from the word of God. Like we have to get into the Word of God and truly understand um, who He is and, and, and take Him at His Word. So that in those moments, right, like difficulties, trials, those moments of our lives uh, when everything says go left, uh, based on faith in the Word of God, you go right. That's when faith becomes real. And that's when we come to know Jesus more uh, and that's when we experience the blessings of God uh, what will it take for us to truly believe in God okay, let's get into his word and let's obey the word of God Heavenly Father we thank you for your word uh, we thank you for your ever so faithful, patient presence in our lives and faithfully working in us, uh, giving us your word. And uh, even through the difficult circumstances, you are at work. When we don't see, help us to believe. Strengthen your people, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Um, 
again, it must have uh, been like a tremendous struggle for the man to hear Jesus say, go, your son will live, and then actually leave, right? Without actually seeing it. Gotta just bank on his word and that's all you have. You don't see it, but you just gotta take it for what it is and just go. And uh, I think it's like that for many of us in our lives. Like, picture yourself in your life 10, 20, 30 years later, right? When you're, uh, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and you picture your life there, and you think the blessing at that point in your life, when you're 40, 50, 60, you think that has to do with like how hard you, really how hard you study the grades you make, um, how many more promotion levels you get. Um, now really be where I want to be in my life um, at that point, if I work hard right now and then I get recognized, and I get promoted and I'll be at a, a financial level some sort of recognized level on my company. And you think that's like the, the, the thing, you know? Like that's the pathway to success. Like that's the blessed life. Um, if these things work out, if this happens. Um, and so that's what we're doing. Like if, unless I see, I won't believe. Unless I see the next promotion level, unless I see these things happening. But Jesus just gives us his word, right? Go, your son will live. Go, follow me. Obey my word and you'll be blessed. And that's all, all we have right now. For maybe, um, whatever, like 10, 20, 30 years, the rest of our lives, we're supposed to just take his word and just go with it. That's, that's faith. That's living by faith. I don't have to see that I'll still believe. And, uh, and we have to be in his word because as, as, we, as we get to know God through his word and see who he is, then that, that, that kind of, then that makes all the sense in the world. Um, who else can I turn to? You have the word of eternal life that it makes sense regardless of what I see or don't see in my life just follow him follow his word I pray that we can um, receive the word of God in our hearts uh, no matter what your circumstance is right now what you're dealing with and how this applies to you I pray that the clenched fist you would be able to open up a little bit more the beckoning of his word to surrender the, um, the things that we're holding on to in our hearts because that's the pathway to, of, of being blessed Heavenly Father we thank you once again for your uh, constant loving, patient shepherding over us uh, pray that the word would be planted in our hearts and uh, even if it feels like it's dormant, it would certainly be at work 
bearing fruit in us. Uh, meet us where we are. May it be your spirit that cause us to respond in faith. And um, we pray that the hearers of the word of God uh, would follow the path of obedience and ultimately arrive in the blessings of God. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus who gave himself at the, at the hour to make salvation and this blessed life possible. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, that the circumstances around us would wane and the reality of Christ would become more and more personal and deep and real to us. Thank you, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this incredible and changing covenant, love of the Father God and the fellowship, the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever.